I'm Holiday. I'm Tarrant. I'm Independence Day. Oh, a microphony. And a phony at the mic. Get Whoa! Over there. <laughs> and now, on with the opera. Let joy be unconfined. Let there be dancing in the streets, drinking in the saloons, and necking in the parlor. Play, Don. Would you welcome Mr. Warmth? Picture it. Sicily, 1922. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Killer's Cult of Nut Jobs 2.0, where we cover all crimes. I am, as always, your host, the Great White Snark, Scotty J. And joining me again is the lovely and beautiful Monica. Hello. Well, uh, before we get into the story, um, we're, we're going to share a little news here on uh, on KCN. It sounds like it's a radio station, you know? Yeah. KCN, where we listen to all the hits from the serial killers. Um, for those of you that may not follow us on the Facebook page, uh, we had a death in the family this week. The Reverend Jeff, who had uh, joined me here on the show for... 50 wonderful episodes uh, recently died. He died Wednesday night. Um, we're not exactly sure what the causes are just yet. Um, I've been in, I've been in touch with his wife. I should say now his widow. And, uh, you know, if, if you guys can just kind of, you know, give a prayer, sacrifice an animal, whatever your particular religious inclinations are, you know, for uh, the memory of Jeff, uh, please do that this week. And I don't know if there's going to be any type of memorial fund or anything set up. I, I really don't know that far, but uh, any information. I would have something. Oh, sorry. But oh, I was like, they'll probably have something set up for his son. Did right. You know? I would think so, but I don't know. Yeah. Yet. But uh if I hear anything, I'll pass it on to you guys because Jeff loved doing the show with me. Um, as you could tell from those episodes, we had a lot of fun with each other. And it, it, it is like losing another brother for me. So I've been staying away from the liquor, but I've been piecing it together this week. So on top of it, one of my comedic idols had also died. So I, it, it's been a rough week for me. Yeah, I didn't break that to you quite as well as I could, but I was on, you know, the tour bus at the time. So, (laughs) but like I said, I thought like my mom was showing me something about like, you know, news about Jerry Seinfeld because I couldn't even like read what it said. And then like the phone stopped shaking. Yeah, I saw Gilbert Godfrey and died. So I was like, oh, Sky. Yeah. Oops. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you breaking the news to me. Yeah, well, I figure if you had Nori. No, I did. I, mean, I guess I, I, I was actually sitting here in uh, in my room when um because usually my news apps will break the news first, and they yeah. you actually beat the news apps. Woohoo! <laughs> right. <laughs> I was like, holy fuck! Yeah. No, not Gilbert. So, 
now I now I get to frame my uh, membership into the Gilbert Gottfried Col Secret Colossal Society. Really? <laughs> I even got a membership card. That's, I still have to send in for my own. I just I don't know. I haven't done that yet. I've been I guess a little busy. My the Rod Serling Club for me. Oh, nice. Like nice. a membership. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that it was like you sent like a certain amount of money because they're trying to do a, a statue to him in Binghamton. Nice. So that was like, cool. Nice. Yeah. Uh -huh. Okay, enough with the news briefs. Uh, we're going to get back into our story. You remember from last time in the uh, continuing saga of Charlie Manson, they had arrested him. And thanks to, uh, you know, the snitch there, Susan Atkins. The judgment came down that Charlie was arrested for the uh, Tate and LaBianca murders. All right, here we go. Stretch, get ready. Now, for someone who wanted to be famous, Charlie hit the big time. And honestly, if you go back and look at like the, the, the news footage from the trials, every time he's in front of the cameras, Charlie's smiling. He, he's loving this. Now, since the report broke that he'd been arrested in connection with the murders, reporters and cameras began to appear, focusing their attention on Charlie. And like a teenage girl doing selfies, he loved it. I guess any girl up to a certain age does selfies. I always told my daughter, you know, as many selfies as she takes, we'd be able to really get to see what she looked like. She'd be doing selfies while she's kidnapped, you know, here I am. Look, oh, looking pretty for the for the kidnappers. Well, if you think that Charlie was going to go into this without a plan, you're wrong. He had one. With several members of the family being away from him and revealing what they knew, Charlie had to be the center of attention because they, they divided up. Um, what was it? A Hall of Justice there in um, Los Angeles. It was like their court and there was like a, a jail cell on top. Yeah. So the girls were kept on one side. Charlie was in another cell. And so Charlie had performers or he had a performer's ability of timing and public relations. He knew with the amount of evidence against him, he was going to the he was going to death row. And I'm not talking about the record label either. So Charlie would give the public something memorable that it. That would last, or sorry, I'm goofing this one up. That would outlast his death. Sorry, folks. Well, while Charlie's sitting in a cell, he began to formulate his plan. First, he wanted to defend himself, which they say any, anyone who has a, I'm gonna, I know I'm gonna butcher this. Anyone who defends himself has a fool for a client, something like that. That's exactly, that's right. Okay. Yeah, Monica keeps me uh, honest here, folks. I try, you know, somebody has to after, <laughs> after a while. Right. Someone can't, someone can't let me run loose after a while. You know, she, she's now my court appointed handler. Okay. Second, Charlie wanted the three girls, Susan, Patricia, and Leslie. He wanted their lawyers not to separate the crimes from his. Now, Susan squealed, but to Charlie, you know, if he could just talk to her, 
he could convince her to come back into the family and hope that they would plead guilty to exonerate him. Now, despite being arrested for the murders, Charlie still wanted to be a rock star. So on one of her visits, he had Squeaky track down Dennis Wilson, but Dennis gave the DA all of Charlie's recordings. Phil Kaufman, remember him a couple episodes ago? Phil didn't think Char that Charlie was guilty, so he took what recordings he had and he made an album. Now, the family members who are not on trial, and you've seen the pictures, they're all sitting outside. I, I think Squeaky Fromm was one of them that was sitting outside with everybody. Yeah, there's um, video, too, of them. Well, right. Yeah, but of them crawling on the sidewalk and people walking past them, like right. just looking like... Another day in Los Angeles, but <laughs> right. also kind of also kind of looking like okay, yeah, we well they've been going on for a couple of years. Oh god. So yeah, no. they weren't it wasn't completely shocking that they were what they were doing because right, but I'm I'm pretty sure the businessmen were like, oh Jesus Christ, there's no yeah. way here in LA. Uh-huh. I'm just gonna step over these crazy people as I run to the office. So Phil took, the, Phil took what recordings he had and he made an album. The family members who were not on trial sat outside of the courthouse selling the record and showing support for Charlie and the others. Now, Charlie wrote a message that was printed on the album. So Charlie wrote, no mother, no father, in and out of orphanages and foster homes. I can't tell anyone anything they don't already know, but I can sing for them. And I got some music that says what I'd like to say if I ever had anything to say. On January 17th, 1970, Manson appeared in court to enter his plea. Charlie demanded that he be released immediately because prison denied him his spiritual freedom. He refused to enter a plea, but the judge took that as a plea of not guilty. I think my dad tried that um, argument once. I've heard that's happened several times. <laughs> I'm the camp, like I, specific people, though. But I mean, honestly, like I've definitely heard of that. Well, I know there was that one teacher who said she, her lawyer said she couldn't go to prison because she was too pretty. Oh yeah, uh huh. That was a new one. So. Oh yeah, that's a new one. Yeah. The prosecutors built a solid case. It all hinged on Susan's testimony. Through the months leading up to the trial, the prosecution, led by Vincent Bugliosi, dug up more facts and witnesses to boost their case. Despite refusals of cooperation from the family, the prosecution had a solid case. One witness that was a shock to Charlie was Lots of Papa. He wasn't dead, he just faked it, and was in the hospital for 18 days in critical condition. Unfortunately, before the trial, Papa was arrested on drug charges. <laughs> Of course, he passed Charlie in the hallway at the courthouse. Charlie did a double take and said, I'm sorry, I had to do it. But you know how it is. Hey, man, On I'm sorry. <laughs> I had to do it, but you know how it is. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen his face when that happened. Oh, I know, right? That would have been great. I would have stamped a picture of it, you know. Uh -huh. But then I wonder how big Lots of Papa was if he was able to uh, survive in a, you know, survive for 18 days. I'm, I'm picturing a big man. Well, I mean, it wasn't like just like critical condition. Right. Some people have done 18 days in critical though and survived. 
Yeah, but I'm, I'm, I'm picturing a big man. Well, yeah, yeah. Anyway, on August 11th, 1970, the trial began. The prosecution wanted to set the tone of the proceedings, but Charlie turned the attention on him. Sometime before court, he found something sharp and carved an X between his eyes. His opening remark was, you have created the monster. I am not of you. I have X'd myself from your world. No man may speak for me. I speak for myself. I am not allowed to speak with words, so I have spoken with the mark I will be wearing on my forehead. Charlie, the girls, and their lawyers would meet in a room the judge would use for troublesome defendants. And that's like textbook my definition of troublesome defendants right uh i think i know i wrote it in here later but the, the nickname for the room was the mouse house oh uh, yeah yeah during these meetings charlie would give the girls their instructions for that day if charlie gave them a hand signal they would make the blah 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 motion with their hands <laughs> giggle during witness testimonies or turn their backs on the judge the girls even went so far as to cut an X in their foreheads as a sign of solidarity. Even the family members outside the courthouse carved an X in their on <clears throat> into their heads to show support. Wasn't this also? I, I remember the seeing pictures of the X. Was this about the same time that they shaved their heads too? Yeah, L- looking like some weird ass cancer patients walking into. Court. Yeah, because like yeah, not, not yeah, to say that. There's yeah, there's definitely video, like you said, in pictures. Right. I mean, not to say that all cancer patients look weird, but they did. Uh-huh. Now, in the early days of the trial, Charlie offered a bailiff a hundred grand to let him escape. Which, if you think about it, that's a that's a good price. I mean, not everyone could do the Andy Dufresne and crawl, crawl through the sewer pipes, you know. If you can see her right now, folks, she's just like looking at me like, why did you do an Andy Dufresne reference? Yeah, I'll talk to you later about that one. So. <laughs> this is the only thing I could think of was like, you know, if you're going to escape, Andy Dufresne popped into my head for prison escapes. Now, the girls did something better. They offered sex to the guards for their escape. Which, I mean, looking back at that time, I'd have to say the cutest one was Van Houten. Yeah, I'm getting the same look. I'm sorry. I thought Leslie Van Houten was cute in her youth. Yeah, I guess, yeah, with probably like the three of them. Like, oh, Susan Atkins just. Oh, oh she was crazy. Yeah. And, and I, I even got pictures a, before you could see crazy. Oh, oh, yeah, those eyes were flashing helter skelter long before there was a helter skelter. Yeah, mm-hmm. Le- uh, Leslie Van Houten was kind of cute. Uh, Patricia Krenwinkle, if I was really desperate, maybe I'd probably go squeaky before I went. Um, Krenwinkle. You could just see her look right now, folks. She's just in there going, what did I get myself into? He's he's talking about which Manson girl he would date. Well, yeah, you know. Shout out to Jeff. Woohoo! 
<laughs> now they did this in front of people and within hearing distance of witnesses. Now that's some balls. If, if you're going to offer them their, if you're going to offer money and sex for your escape in front of the witness, the, the jury and the witnesses, you got some fucking cojones on you, man. Now, one person who noticed the trial was President Richard, I'm not a crook, Nixon. Nixon used Manson as the poster child for the dangerous hippie element that he built his campaign on. Nixon had the perfect example of everything that was wrong in the country in Charlie Manson. Now, during the trial, Charlie slipped in a copy of the L.A. Times that read, Manson guilty, Nixon declares. So Charlie made a headline of his own that said, Nixon guilty, Manson declares. And what we say, this was going on, this trial was in 1970. So, oh God, this is at least two or three to four years before Watergate broke. Yeah, it was 74. Yeah, 73, 74 is when Watergate really broke. Yeah. Wow, Charlie had uh, psychic abilities there. Yeah, I don't think that was really psychic abilities either. It's kind of like well, say, like some certain <laughs> previous. Right. Well, you know, like, kind of like the same. It's yeah. Well, you really know, think, is he psychic or is he just like seeing the writing on the wall? Kind of. Well, right. But I mean, not like obviously Manson was not that crazy. <laughs> no, but uh, Nixon was from California, so they probably had dealings with him before he got into like the upper echelons of u.s government yeah the girls even told the judge if the president said they were guilty oh why in hell are we continuing the trial well the judge ignored them and continued on so charlie spent a lot of time in what they called the mouse house where you know monica said they met with their lawyers which then I just said, my next sentence. I'm not paying attention. Charlie refused to come into court, so the bailiffs carried him in. He complained that the people were coming in and viewing him in a cell, kind of like an animal in a, in a zoo. Hell, I would have came in. What the hell am I talking about? Well, the judge was unsympathetic and placed him in the mouse house. It was during this time that the judge gave Linda Kasabian immunity for her testimony. Now, her testimony was solid and did the most damage to Charlie and the girls. On October 5th, 1970, the biggest outburst displayed by Charlie and the girls happened. Charlie wanted to question the witness and, well, the judge within his right refused. Charlie had made a threat against the judge, and while the judge ignored him, Charlie grabbed a pencil and lunged at the judge. Bailiffs restrained him and moved him and the girls from the courtroom. The judge had allowed Charlie and the girls into the courtroom when Melcher testified. Well, Melcher really didn't want Charlie in the room, but the attorneys blocked Charlie from his view. And Melcher was able to testify after he took a tranquilizer. Despite the antics of the defendants, the evidence against them was mounting. Charlie knew this, and there was nothing that could be done. The witnesses proved damning evidence that Charlie had planned helter-skelter. He controlled the family like a puppet master, and despite everything, Charlie was a master con man. He could read the room and know how to act accordingly. 
As stated before, Charlie wanted to be famous. This courtroom, this trial was the stage. He gave the performance of his life and he loved it. On November 19th, the defense rested their case. Despite his attorney's protests, Charlie stood up and addressed the court. I never went to school, so I never growed up to read and write too good. So I stayed in jail and I've stayed stupid. I formed this family from social outcasts that you did not want. People that are alongside the road that their parents had kicked out. You made your children what they are. These, these children that come, to, come at you with their knives, they are your children. You taught them. I didn't teach them. I, I am only what you made me. I am only a reflection of you. I am only what lives inside each and every one of you. You want me dead? Ha! I'm already dead. Have been all my life. Sometimes I think about giving it back to you. If I could, I would jerk this microphone off and beat your brains out with it. Because that's what you deserve. If I could get angry at you, I would try to kill every one of you. If that's guilt, I accept it. These children were finding themselves. What they did, if they did what they did, is up to them. They will explain that to you. I have not killed no one, and I have ordered no one to be killed. I may have implied on several different occasions to several different people that I may have been Jesus Christ, but I haven't decided yet what I am or who I am. Helter Skelter is confusion, man. Confusion is coming fast. It says, it's not my conspiracy. It's not my music. It says, rise. It says, kill. Why blame it on me? I didn't write the music. On January 15th, 1971, the jury went into deliberations. On the 25th, they returned the verdict. Charlie and the girls stood smiling and giggling. The verdict was Charlie, Susan, Leslie and Pat were found guilty on all counts. What Charlie didn't know, his mother Kathleen was in L.A. when he was found guilty. Kathleen had not attempted to contact Charlie at all, convinced that he was mentally ill to do the things he had done. She had heard was wrong. Yeah. She had heard the stories that Charlie had spread about his depraved childhood. During the last days of the trial, a reporter for the L.A. Times figured out who she was and asked her for an interview. She set the record straight, saying more than anything, Charlie was a spoiled child who got what he wanted. She tried her best to raise him, but she had made mistakes with him. When the story came out, there were lies and misquotations in it, like Charlie was born out of wedlock. And when he found out about his sister, Nancy, he was happy. That made Kathleen believe the news could not be trusted. When the penalty phase began, Charlie sent word through some of the family to the girls in prison. He wanted to make sure that the girls understood when they said that they would die for Charlie. Well, he fucking meant it. Now it's time to stand by those words. The prosecution called two witnesses. One was a police officer from Oregon who confronted a gun-toting Susan Atkins who replied, I want a chance to shoot you. Not the smartest thing to do. That girl could have got shot, man. Now the second was our boy Lots of Papa, who was proof that Charlie was capable of and ordering the murder of a person. On February 1st, prosecution rested. Then the defense began. It started by calling Linda and Pat's parents, who all said that they loved their daughters 
I had no idea why they did the murders. Then a parade of family members came in rambling about Charlie bringing animals back from the dead and other hippie nonsense. But what was strange was Gypsy saying in court that Gary Hinman was killed by Linda, Susan, and Leslie, and that Linda was the mastermind behind Helter Skelter. Well, see what the jury didn't know that this was all part of Charlie's plan to let the girls take the fall for the murder. When Susan and Leslie took the stand, they both said that they participated in the crime and Linda was the mastermind. When Linda took the stand, oh, I, I would have loved to see the look she gave those two girls. You know, you know, I, I would have loved to have sat there and just kind of like stared, watched Linda like give them the stink eye. You know, like uh, the high school girls do at the lunchroom. Hey, I've got good story about that one. If I could impart for, you know, a moment. from back right. in high school with the whole, like, queen bees and all. Walk We're into the class. Sorry, do you mind? <laughs> this is like, it fits right in, though. They were, like, talking about, oh, Heather, they going to have such a great time this weekend, all hanging out, blah, blah, blah. The one girl walks away, like, okay, I'll see you later. And then as soon as she was, like, out of earshot, God, I can't stand her. Right. Right. I was, like, felt like I was in a movie right in front of me. I'm, like, oh, my God. Like, really? Yeah. So, okay, it just reminded me of that. I was, like, Right. I just imagine Linda was just sitting there just, like, stink-eyeing them the whole time, you know? Like, you know, she like wanted to stand up and like, oh, you want to go now? You want to go now? So Linda took the stand, but she held firm to her story that Charlie was the mastermind. The judge sent the jury to deliberate on March 26th. On Monday afternoon, they reached an agreement. Now, this happened so fast that no one really knew what to expect. And I think I remember from all of the court shows that I watched that they said the jury comes back too quick it's it's not a good sign yeah because actually when like my infamous jury time <laughs> <laughs> um that i feel like i'm still serving semi <laughs> <laughs> like, inside joke here but i remember we're all like we took a vote like walked right in we're all like yeah guilty and we're like, okay, well, we can't like literally like, you know, right. knock on the door. And be like, yeah, like five seconds after. So we basically, I think we like, I think for like 10 minutes, we sat around and just like talked. Yeah. And I, then we're like, okay, well, that's probably enough time. So. I know when I did jury duty last summer, you know, we, we did two days and on the second day we deliberated and we kind of went in and. I mean, it was a little bit longer because we had to argue a few points, but we were all like, yeah, she's guilty. How can you not run over someone and know that you ran over someone? Yeah, or at least something. Right. Well, that's what she was trying to say. She's like, I didn't know I ran over her. Did you hear a thump? Did you hear a thump on the road? Well, you don't have to, like, kind of like, yeah, you can, like, feel it. Exactly. Oi. Okay, so Charlie knew his plan had failed. He yelled at the jury that they they were not as good as he was. 
Oh, the judge removed him from the courtroom back to the mouse house. So the bailiff turned on the speaker. Charlie heard that him and the three girls were sentenced to death. On February 18th, 1972, the California Supreme Court abolished the death penalty. Those who were involved in the Tate LaBianca murders had their sentences reduced to life in prison. This gave them the eligibility for parole in seven years. And this is what I actually have like a huge problem with. But man, yeah, I, I think it's got to deal with just how California's got their law set up. Yeah, I'm like, if you're sentenced to death and then you get you know life in prison, it should have just converted to like no parole. I mean, really. Right. I know there's um there's a guy here in Illinois. It, it was my original very first show on the old KCN, uh, Timothy Bus. Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah, he when um I forget when Illinois abolished the death penalty, but when he went into jail for the murder of Christopher Meyer, he got no parole. He he's like, no, you're in for you're in for life. And then when uh, Governor Ryan was leading leaving office, he was like commuting sentences. And yeah. um, I want to say Bus was a part of the the package, but he got denied. So, which okay. is like one of the nice things that George Ryan did for the state. Mm-hmm. So, no, complete failure then, basically, yeah. right? No, it didn't make up for his license for bribe scandal, but. Oh, well, yeah. Oh, you had the other guy too. Oh, God. Oh, Blag- what, like Blagojevich? Fifth- yeah, him. Uh huh. He just got busted for selling uh, Obama's Senate seat. Yeah. And we've had some we've had some governors here that does some shady shit. Mm-hmm. Well, it's like the birthright of Illinois, right? Yeah. So become a mayor, do some shady shit. Uh-huh. I'm gonna run for governor. That's gonna be my campaign. That's gonna Leslie be my- Patton, Susan State in California. That's gonna, be my camp- oh, that's gonna be my campaign platform. I'm gonna do some shady shit in office. I'm being honest. Uh-huh. <laughs> Would you rather know now or find out later? Right. Would you like to know now or when I'm being hauled off by uh, the feds on uh, doing the perp walk? You know? Uh-huh. Yeah. No. Okay. Well, they were re- the girls were removed from general population, but were allowed to do needlepoint and have a small garden. How cute. Through counseling sessions, they slowly got over Charlie's influence. I actually have that book. The, the one where the, the girls went through counseling and everything. And which one's that? I got Zakin's uh, book last year, actually. The Manson the, Women and Me. Uh, it's called The Manson uh, Women and Me. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I got the the one she wrote. The, um, oh, so you got child, God, child, yeah, or, or oh, child of... Wow. Yeah, uh-huh. I've been trying to get a hold of Squeaky's book. Oh uh, yeah, it wasn't. It was like a new, because um, a lot of them were like, yeah, two hundred dollars, five hundred, a thousand dollars, and then there was. Uh, I'll give you a new one straight up from Amazon. It was like you know twelve bucks or whatever. I'm like, right. yeah, I'll go right. with that one. <laughs> go to Amazon or uh, abbooks.com. That's what I yeah. guess. Yeah. Okay, Charlie began his prison tour, being moved to many high security prisons. 
The reason was no warden wanted him since he brought media attention to the prison. Charlie also was probably in, the, the warden was doing some shady shit too, you know? Oh, well, yeah. So why bring attention to that? So. Exactly. No. Charlie was in San Quentin with a man named Como, not Perry. Como had the backing of the Aryan Brotherhood. Shout out to my grandfather. <laughs> and they beat Charlie up. Part of the problem was Gypsy had a relationship with Como. <clears throat> with Como, and Charlie said the women could only love Charlie. Mary and Gypsy backed Como as the family's new leader, while Lynette tried to get as many members as she could to remain loyal to Charlie. Lynette felt it was her job, given by Charlie, to keep the family going and keep them in the news. This failed when she was arrested for attempting to assassinate Gerald Ford. Hi, Homer. Oh, that's... Not going to get old for you, is it? Never. <laughs> okay, then. At least I was warned. Over time, those who followed Charlie began to get their lives back, while those who were in prison would still go before parole hearings. To date, no one has been paroled. Susan Atkins died in prison in 2009 of, breast can- or, sorry, of brain cancer. Tex has found Jesus and operates a ministry in the Mule State Prison in Ione, California. Leslie and Pat are still in the Women's Institute, where they are allowed to mingle freely with the prisoners and have earned college degrees. I love how they give them college degrees for free there. That's it, I think can we start on that of, too now, please. Right. I think it's a process where they, they want to rehabilitate the people inside. So yeah, they but think, they give it to them for free. It's just uh, like I think we have the student loans here. And well, you should you're you're the same too with the student loans. It's like really. I'm like I didn't right. kill anybody. Should I have to try to go kill somebody to get free college education? Okay. Okay, stepping off the soapbox here. Charlie had been housed in the California State Prison in Corcoran since nineteen ninety-eight. On November nineteenth, twenty seventeen, Charlie died in prison. Goodbye, Charlie Man. Or was it? <laughs> I've always wanted to do it. Will a never be the end. Oh no, because Charlie, like I said in the beginning, Charlie's one of those people that you could go anywhere in the world and they're going to know who he is. Yeah. And well, I guess before, too, it's there's like so many different like subsets of the the story, too, and everything. Right. But I mean, look at all the books that have been published and Uh the movies. Yeah. Um, Like the one um, the one I just showed you, uh, the Manson Girls and Me. Mm hmm. I think that there's a, I think it's on Netflix, a show called, that says, it's called Charlie Says, which is about the girls in prison going through the counseling and getting oh, yeah, the programming. Oh, there's one called, and last, the last of the Manson women, too. I have to find, I'm pretty sure it's what it's called because I was flipping through today. Right. But I mean, if you walk into like a bookstore, look at how many, Books on serial killers have Charlie's face plastered on it. Uh-huh. You know, I mean, sitting in my library alone, I probably have four books on Charlie Manson. Yeah, well, I got that that is the um what in the groove. I was talking yeah. to you about the what um if everybody had an ocean, which I hadn't even know about that one but that one sounded i was like ooh, but yeah another one it's like right and then you know 
like it seems like every year around the anniversary of her murder, there's another Charlie Manson special on. Of course. Well, the 50th, that was huge. I mean, well, and then I went to her grave. Well, God, I can't remember how many times I've been to her grave. Well, it was nice. uh, The picture of uh, Vincent Bugliosi. Yeah, Bugliosi. Yeah. Well, I thought he was still alive. No, it's like he died this. Well, he died like three months before my dad. I, I for so, some reason, I thought he was still alive. No, I mean, that's how I'm, but yeah, I was like, as soon as my friend he dies, I was like, oh, I'm gonna go see him. So that's go see him. I've seen, well, the actually, um, what was it Leslie Van Houten, her lawyer? I, I didn't see him this trip. But I saw him like another trip. Sharon Tate, she's like almost every trip. Yeah, I have to go yeah. see her. Back in 2007, I went to visit Lino. I've been to probably 2000. No, I can't. I'm trying to keep all these years straight, but <laughs> basically, I've been to Stephen Parent's grave too. Okay. And then, um, With that spelling, but like that, um, Robert Brown from Jonestown, he's yeah, he's like yeah. several yards. Oh wow! From Sharon, actually, yeah. Because when I got the location for him, it said the grotto. I was like, yeah, how many like times I've passed over his grave without realizing, you know, who it was actually? Because there's no like full date on just the year. Okay. Not really gonna. I didn't know quite as much with the you know the individual names until I was doing a little more research for this trip and saw him there. But another one, like way back when, with the um, Madison Square Garden. You know, like Evelyn Nesbitt, she's over there too, the same place. So that's another one I had missed before. And I was like, found out, like, had to go see her grave. I can't. Hey. Okay, there we go. Good? Okay. Yeah, I just had to go grab something real quick. Hey. So, but yeah, it's like, so I figure, especially now with doing this, I had to go see Bugliosi. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, I, he was, he was uh, sorry, folks, can't even talk right now, but I'd want to see him for sure, you know, earlier, but now, especially now, like, I gotta read his book good. yet. Sam. But yes, like, I think that, um, God, Sebring, I think he's in, I'm probably, I'm messing this up. I think he's in Wisconsin. His grave. Oh, we can always look it's it up. Kind of weird. Yeah. I found out doing all this, like, the research, too, that his parents are actually buried out in a cemetery I've been to in Las Vegas. Oh, wow. Yeah, so. And then, um, well, and Furkowski's over, you know, back in. Right. Poland, 
and um, Folger is up, you know, Northern California. And actually, Rosemary is like not even listed as being anywhere. So, well, oh, and hopefully, when I go up to Wisconsin this year for my family's drunken fest, right. I can uh, maybe sneak over to Plainfield. Oh, that Go see where uh, Eddie Gein lived. Now that's a oh oh trust me we're yeah. we're gonna cover Eddie. Yep, yeah. because because we cover all crime here. <laughs> well, that's uh, he gets under the kill and nutshell. Well, I remember when um like with Dupont when I was telling like, yeah you're doing before yeah. I was like. Hello, he gets he's like he's two of the three. Right. And I mean the, the, the thing is is you know the, before we turned on the mics and everything, folks, we were discussing and kind of talking about different now that we you know I've got the beautiful Monica here at my side. She oh. knows, yeah, I know. Right now, you know, it's like that cartoon scene with the hearts called do, 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 do. beautiful and twisted. Yeah, that's why I like her. <laughs> But, you know, we, we were talking about just different ideas we want to cover now for the show. And I mean, I've got uh, see, I have six books sitting on my nightstand that I've read so far that I've got to turn into scripts for you guys, because some of these were crimes I never even heard of. Some I have. And, and when I go book shopping now, I mean, I still get my history books, but I kind of wander over to true crime and start looking for things that I haven't. You know, the, the big names, the people, you know, the, the, the crimes that people may not have heard of. Yeah, that's what was kind of what I was doing there, too. Because like, I haven't been to like an actual decent bookstore in a while. Just be able to look around. and that's uh, Right. I, but I, I know I, there's one, James Bulger, like never, well, yeah. not, not Whitey. Okay. The toddler oh yeah i can't even listen to ones about him so uh, that's one i will like yeah i if you do cover him like i won't be a part of that because like i just i I can't that's that's the one in britain right yeah okay yeah um i know well i don't know traumatizing right i know um i meant to send you the link there's a the true crime bookstore up in Michigan. And, and that's all they cover. But uh-huh. I, I think the next time I hit Philadelphia, I need to take a little trip out to the Baldwin book barn. So yeah, technically it's Westchester. Yeah, different well, different county then, but <laughs> but because someone introduced me to the book barn and uh well technically it was the first time I'd ever been there too, so Right, but she unleashed something that makes me want to go to the book barn and uh-huh. lose myself in there. But yeah, and what and Sandy Hook. That's yeah. another one. Can't would like I never be able to. Right. Because actually that I said, you know, I got the book on it, which even that I was like, do I get it? Do I not get it? But I'm like, Ugh. it was kind of like 
right, just something book you can get clothes to and all. But there's this part in um, part even like a couple sentences, and it's like describes like because I want like the twin kids they were all hiding in the in the mm. small like bathroom right that was just literally like the toilet in there because the sink was outside yeah which is kind of like the way mine were back in elementary school and they were all like shot there and the guy thought it was, the police officer thought it was basically just like art projects until he saw like a little boy's face and then he realized it was just a pile yeah of, I'm like that, like that, just reading that was like, oh my, you know, like I have watched so many things on Columbine and that happened my first year in college. So it was still like, kind of like the high school. I was with my ex-wife then. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was 18. Because I remember I I had a black duster at the time. No, sorry. Yeah, I was 18. Yeah. So I, I, you're still like people right. were in school with, and but it was like I've seen so much documentaries, I've read so many books, I've like all that, and I mean I've been I've seen obviously like the library video, all that I've seen, and those two sentences about like all them in the the in the bathroom just being killed that just like broke me. Right. And so like that's I couldn't do that. I mean, I remember when Combine happens, I had this black duster that I loved. Love that fucking coat. Till my psychotic father took it from me. But anyway, my ex-wife was like, You shouldn't wear that because because of them Combine kids, they might think I'm like, Hey, listen, I was wearing a black trench coat way before those kids ruined it. Yeah, and you're always about to change high school age too. Right. So I mean but yeah, that's what I said. Just like reading, I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, just, and I hate like when people be like, "Oh well, you don't understand," and until like your parent or only a parent could understand. Like, I never, especially well, like before. Obviously, I just that just arced me that whole saying. But it's the only like the difference is like you still understand is like imagining that happening. To like a future or something like oh like you don't understand when you're a parent, I think it's because then you can you have a specific face in mind. Right. You, like you know. before, it was like you only picture because like when I picture James, I always picture brown hair and brown eyes, and he ended up with blonde hair and blue eyes. But the yeah, sorry, I'm just like going on another rant again. It's just. It's like, what do you mean? Like, you can't have, like, any, like, sympathy or, try, like, understand, like, oh, well, you're not a parent. It's like, no, that has nothing to do with it. It's just, like, now I can, it's easier to picture right. specifics than, you know, this, like, supposed, you know, kid that doesn't exist yet and all. But, oh, my God, like, when I read that, I had to, like, stop reading. I'm thinking, like, yeah, I, I can watch all this like actual video of the right library. I'll you know like the, them running out of the building, like Dave Sanders run up the stairs to warn the kids. You know the teacher that was killed at Columbine, and that 
was like so much worse than any of that stuff I had seen over like the almost what 23 years. Yeah. 23 years and like three days with three, no, sorry, four days, <laughs> which is crazy. I think it like that all those kids too, like at Columbine are, have now been dead longer than they were alive. Right. Okay, folks. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like, basically, yeah. Welcome to the Monica show tonight here. <laughs> All right. We're going to wrap this one up. It's like, Scott's like actually like thinking about this. Like, yeah. <laughs> I know. I was going back to the one man show. You know, now I know that uh, I know what, what topics not to cover now. Yeah. I just want to give you a heads up. Well, I said it's better like do the rants like after. Yeah. The show is over. I hate when people do the rants too at the beginning and it right, takes up right. like the majority of the time. At least with this, it's like, okay, show's over. We can, you know, turn it off and don't have to listen to Monica's rantings and ravings instead of so, like, okay. 30 seconds, fast forward, 30 seconds. When's this going to stop? Oh my right. God, I have 10 <laughs> minutes left for the show. Like, what's left to hear? There's nothing left to hear because. Like, how can you fit Manson into 10 minutes? You can't. So, okay. Uh, We've we've concluded the uh, wild and crazy world of Charlie Manson. If you're looking for us out there, you can find us on Podbean. Uh, There's a few others. I'm still trying to get us on. I'm saying CastBox. Definitely CastBox. I like CastBox. CastBox, we're there. Um, I'm I'm trying to to get an iPod fix so we can get up on uh, iTunes. So. We can reach a wider audience. And with the reviews, apparently, because their reviews like make you jump up on the like, right, right. It, it's it's something with their all, algorithm. Yeah, this is all the stuff I let Scott take care of. I'm just yeah. right. I handle all the technical stuff. She she's just here for the looks, folks. Which is why I love your <laughs> <laughs> right. disgust. Right. Too much better than YouTube. <laughs> why we're on an audio medium so you can't see what we're dressed in as we are hosting the show yeah have a face made for podcasting <laughs> right um we have the facebook page join us there and for kcn 2.0 i am the great white snark scotty J. this is monica and well say good night monica good night monica <laughs> see you later folks This concludes our broadcast day. Good night and God bless.